I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me how sweet are thy words unto my taste, yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. And thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And that's obviously our text this morning. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, church, <clears throat> I believe, and I don't think many will disagree with me, and when I speak about church this morning, I'm speaking about the worldwide church, I'm not just speaking about any particular church. But I believe instead of the church influencing the world today, the world today is influencing the church. Sadly, many churches are bringing the world into the church instead of bringing the church into the world. Things that the Word of God tells us are wrong, are against God and against those laws are being compromised in the Christian world today. There are renowned evangelists and television evangelists that will tell you that they won't point out people's sins from the platform because they don't want to hurt them or offend them. And this is sad because we're not here to hurt or offend anyone, but we're here to tell them the truth and the truth of God's Word. Their churches are so afraid, as I've said, of offending people that they're denying the teachings from the Bible. The truth is that the Bible, as we speak it today, and it might be a bit controversial for some of you here, but when you teach the Bible, you will offend people, particularly today. Because we live in the last days, and the Bible tells us quite a lot about attitudes in the last days. And I'm not making this up. I'm going to quote you verses from the Bible. I'm not taking them out of context. I'm putting them in their proper context of what the Bible tells us the attitudes will be in the last days. 2 Timothy 4 verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers have itching ears itching ears. They want teachers that will make them feel good, and we want to make people feel good. We're not here to beat people down all the time. We're here to tell the truth, but we're not here to beat people down. We're not here, you know, you kind of wonder at times, and you, you don't want to contradict other people or seem to be attacking other people. But it's strange when you look around you, because there's churches where they're told that the more they give, the more God will bless them. And they give to the preacher. Gene and I, I was speaking in a conference in Dayton, Ohio. And before I was on, there was this uh, African-American preacher. And he was good. He was very good. And I really enjoyed his sermon. But then he said at the end, right, God wants you all to plant a $200 seed in my ministry. And Jean will tell you, the queue immediately, talk about an altar call, it came right up all the whole way down to the back of the church, all these people wanting to plant this seed in this man's ministry. And the humorous thing was, this woman come over, and Jean and I were sitting in our own, there's one American pastor, he didn't get up either. But she came over to me and she said, you're that pastor from Ireland, aren't you? And I says, yes, I am. She says, I knew that because you didn't get up that nonsense. <laughs> So, <laughs> I was glad she didn't think it was miserable. <laughs> but people are being told this, folks, from pulpits. And we've got to tell them different. 
I watched a program this morning. I don't know if any of you watched it. I was having my morning coffee, and it was talking about different religions in the world. And they showed these Buddhist monks, and these monks go through years of training Kung Fu. That's what I, all I thought they did. But no, they have this book, and this commentator said it was scriptures. I would say it's their holy book, but anyhow, they, it's 200 pages, and they have to learn it word for word to become a monk. And they go, and they go before these senior monks, and from these 200 pages, they're asked to quote, I don't know whether it's a chapter, a page, or a couple of pages, but they have to quote it word for word. And if they don't do that, they go away and they train for another three years. Another three years. Such is their dedication to what they would see as their holy written word. There was a thing on about Spain. And there's this lovely, genuine man who loved the Lord. But the particular area he lived in in Spain, once a year they carry this golden throne and there's about 50 men carry it. It's extremely heavy, and it carries the Virgin Mary. And he was saying that this great honor, because he was in the front left-hand corner, and the route that they took, he was the main man. He, this was a great honor. And then he said, this will cover my sins for a year. And you see, church, if we speak out against that, some people will tell us we're being offensive. But these people are praying to this statue. They're believing by carrying this heavy throne that they're making penance and they're going to be forgiven. And yet there are some will tell us, don't be saying nothing, don't defend them. I don't want to offend them. I want a lovely man like that to know that Jesus is the one and only way into the kingdom of God. He can carry all the thrones he wants and it's very noble of him, but he needs Jesus as his savior. And you see these things that suit people Make, there's people, they want to hear things that make them feel good. They want to, to do things. There was a, a, a Muslim uh, guy, I think he was a doctor, and he volunteered during the last few days of Ramadan to be a medic working. Uh, apparently there's a lot of people because of the heat, because they fast and they're not allowed to drink, a lot of people collapse. And again, he said to the interviewer that this will earn him merits as such. I can't remember the word he used. But this will, you know, is a good thing for him. It will be blessings for him. And again, it will help him get into heaven. And so th these are things that, you know, people want to hear that I can earn my way in. But no one can earn their way in. It's not of works. It's of the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. And you see, church, whether we like it or not, we cannot contradict the Bible. And concerning the last days, we go back one there. It says, and unto the, uh, Revelation 3, 14, 16, unto the angel of the church of the latest saints write, these things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. This lukewarmness in these last days, and again, I'm not making this up. This is not my opinion. This is the Word of God. And there's a lukewarmness today in the churches worldwide. I believe the body of Christ worldwide needs to get back to a hunger for the Word of God. A hunger for the Word of God. We spoke on Wednesday night about that beautiful psalm, 
Psalm 1. Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. The church needs to get back to the counsel of the Lord and not the world. Church worldwide needs to stop trying to please the world and start pleasing the Lord and serving him. Think of a church. Think of the apostles. Think of what they went through. You know, we kind of read, and sometimes we can sort of read, uh, I can't think of a better way of putting it, blindly, in the sense that we're not seeing the whole picture here. They were hated. They weren't received with open arms. They were by the local churches, sometimes a handful of people. They were hated. They were chased. They were beaten. They were imprisoned. Why? Because they offended people. Because they wouldn't preach and get teachings for those with itching ears. They preached the gospel. And they were hated. They all, apart from John, died a horrendous death. In fact, they tried to kill John. I think it wasn't, you can correct me later, it wasn't boiling oil. They tried to, to kill him with and he survived it. And then he ended up in the Isle of Patmos. They went through horrendous things. Why? Because they stood for the word of God. Because they told people that you are in a false religion and you will not get into heaven, get into the kingdom of God. You're being sold lies. That when they cast out demons, they were uh, uh, hitting people's purses uh, when the, the young girl who, who was a prophetess of Diana and they cast out her demons, they went ballistic saying, you know, there's all our money we were making out of her gone. All their idols they were selling, people were breaking them and throwing them away. They were hated everywhere they went and they suffered for the gospel. Go down through time, through the Reformation. One book I would recommend, if you've never read it, read it. It will open your eyes. Fox's Book of Martyrs. You read that book and you see what persecution really was back then. And it hasn't stopped. There's people being persecuted today. As we speak here, when I, the first time I went to India, I was on my own. And about three weeks, I was told, before I arrived, an Australian missionary and his two sons were burned to death in their car. They had called into a shop, and the local Hindus sat fire to the car. The three of them were killed. Now, thankfully, the Lord turned that around and the local mayor and the local dignitaries and all, uh, they more or less turned their back on Hinduism. And the Australian man, a missionary, his wife stayed there. And the church grew greatly. But they were under persecution. I wasn't personally, I don't think they were going to personally attack me, but I was threatened when I was in India. And because I was walking around the university, and when I'm out in these places, I like to go away on my own and just get my head right to preach. And everywhere I went, there was about four students walking around me like bodyguards. And I said to them, guys, I I'm fine here. But I found out later that the local police inspector has said they were either going to disrupt the meeting or come to try and get me. So there's persecution out there uh, still being suffered. Uh, I just heard recently in Afghan, uh, 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 I think it was, uh, no, it was Pakistan, uh, of a church in India also where they went in with... Uh, we would call them over here the baseball bat squad. And they went in and beat these people up, hitting them with bats or whatever they had uh, on them. So there's, there's persecution when, when men stand for the word of God. And the world hates the word of God. Those who preach the Bible were given, as I've said many times, negative labels. We're either racists, bigots, homophobes, xenophobic, transphobic, all these phobics. That's what the world tells us. They want to silence us. You know, church, the, the devil is having a field day. Openly, people are worshiping the devil. We've never thought this would have happened. In my younger days, you would never have thought this would have happened. 
And look it up for yourself. You've seen the Commonwealth Games. Now, I didn't watch the opening ceremony, but I read a, a very good, there's a good article on it on YouTube. And they brought this bull out. And <clears throat> all these dancers were bowing down to this bull. And people thought nothing of that. But this guy who did this video, he took a, a still of this picture of them all bowing down to this bull that they'd brought in to, the Commonwealth Games. And then he took what I would guess was some artist's impression of Israel when they were worshiping the golden calf. And you would have thought that whoever organized the Commonwealth Games opening looked at that painting and tried to replicate it. Unbelievable. And yet that's openly there. And this bull is going to stay in Birmingham apparently for a lot of years to come. And so... Look, look around us. I mean, there's many examples that you can see for yourself. If a man decides to be a woman, we're not allowed to contradict him. Even those scientists and science and physiology and biology just totally contradicts this. We're not allowed to say anything. Women can become a man. Man can become a woman, apparently, and you're not allowed to contradict it. Just saying to the folks on Wednesday evening, they're, they're now saying that men can get pregnant and you're not allowed to contradict it. What they're really saying is a woman who identifies as a man gets pregnant, and they're now saying men can get pregnant. Brothers and sisters, that's what's going out there. Natural science is being ignored. And sadly, there are men and women in pulpits who are either silent or either agree with this. And we need to speak out in love. We need to speak out in love and say, no, this is wrong. Because the Word of God is so clear. God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. We cannot contradict that, and I will not contradict that. But see, that's the importance for you and I to know the word of God, so that when we talk to people, not argue with people, not fight with people, but when we talk with people, we can do what Jesus did. I mean, Jesus' wisdom was above any wisdom there's ever been. And he could have been scientific. He could have been academic. But you know what he said? He quoted, it is written. It is written. And whenever we can say, well, the Bible says there is man and woman. The Bible says it is written. That's the importance of knowledge that we need from the Word of God. And, you know, another example of needing to know the Word of God. Excuse me. is in the pop world or the music world. And I've told you before, there's a fantastic site. It's called Truth Unveiling Ministries. If you're on YouTube, Facebook, or anything like that, go on to it. It's unbelievable what's going on. We all know and have heard, although I've never listened to any of her music, a singer called Beyonce. And she is famous for her association with the occult. She openly says in interviews that when she goes on the stage, these are her own words, a spirit enters me and um, it just takes control over her. And she released a song, as many songs as released, and the, the language used in them is disgusting. But look that up for yourselves. Don't take my word for it this morning. What I'm trying to do is to get you start doing some research. She released a song entitled, Thanks to the Fallen Angels. 
Now, if you didn't know the Word of God, you wouldn't really know what she was on about there. You see, the idea of the fallen angels derived, we're told, from the book of Enoch. And uh, there's a hard word to pronounce. He's uh, looked upon as a Jewish pseudepigraph. Now, I'm probably saying that wrong. What it means is they do not attribute the book of Enoch to Enoch. Now, I leave that with the academics. But in this book, he associates and makes the assumption that these fallen angels uh, were the sons of God mentioned in Genesis 6, 1 to 4. And we're told that in the period immediately preceding the, the composition of the New Testament, some sects of Judaism, as well as many Christian fathers, identified these same sons of God as fallen angels. And those who follow the occult, they state that these fallen angels were those who were cast out of heaven along with the devil. And they say they are busy today going about the world. She is openly thanking those who were cast out of heaven and, put, uh, and the uh, Satanists or the occult believe that they'll roam the earth until the Lord comes back and they have a different opinion that we have and we're not going to go into that. See, church, this is what is feeding the minds of our children. Some would look at that and say, when you follow me, what about it? It's one silly title. It's not. It's an attempt to openly give thanks to those who were cast out of heaven with Satan. I could go through many of them here, and I don't like naming people, but you've got to tell the truth. And look this one up for yourself. There's a singer called Billy English. And again, this is Truth Revealing Ministries. You should look them up. And this girl <coughs> openly talks about how she sold her soul to the devil. And in her music, uh, you know, the language in it's disgusting. And what she does in it, and these guys explain it, it's pure occult. And this is what's influencing the minds of children today. And we're told, don't be saying anything. We don't want to offend people. Well, I want to say something. I care about my children I care about my grandchildren. I care about the children in this church that the Lord has blessed us with. And I don't want them to be corrupted by the things of the world. And we need to stand out and, and pray for our, those that work with our youth that God would give them wisdom to help them counteract the works of Satan. You know, one sad verse in the Bible, there's one way the people of God can be defeated. Hi. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Hosea 4, verse 6. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. I believe that's today. And, you know, they're perishing because of lack of knowledge, but here's the sad part of it. They rejected knowledge. They rejected knowledge. There are ministers being told not to say this and not to say that. That's rejecting knowledge. If a minister's preaching the Word of God, quoting the Word of God, then that's knowledge for you and I. But sadly, in the church world today, there are ministers restricted in what they can and what they cannot say. The Church of England, at the moment, there's a great debate going on that their uh, gay rhetoric, they call it, is too severe and is hurting people. And I believe that some uh, organization within the Church of England 
have come out and said that homosexuality is wrong. And there's other things they say. But they're being lambasted by their own people for saying this. You see, it's essential that we not only read but learn from the Bible to protect our children, to protect our children's children from anti-God lies, but doing it in love and mercy, reaching out to people and, and, and telling people that God loves them no matter what they're doing in their lives. God loves them and wants them to turn around and give their heart to him, to serve him. You know, church, I can condemn no one because I remember where I came from. And I will condemn no one, but I will reach out to everyone I can and tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. The scriptures are so important to us, folks. Paul, teaching a young man, said in 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Excuse me. Church, that means every line, every verse, every chapter, every book in the Word of God is food for the soul to the believer. It is profitable for us, and we need to read it. We all know that verse, and we can quote that verse quite often, but I want to look at it in more detail, and we'll go back a verse or two. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Church, it's essential that you and I know the word of God. Because I believe it's a responsibility on every Christian to read the word of God. So don't put your hand up. When is the last time you read your Bible? And I feel that's the Lord asking you that question, not me. When was the last time you read your Bible? If Jesus came back today and said to you, in your daily devotions, what, what book are you reading? What, what chapter are you on? I wonder what our answer would be. What books do you read? Are they Christian books? I remember again watching a debate on TV, and it, was, it wasn't songs of praise, but it was something, it was a, a TV program about faith, and there was these women, and I'm not having to go at women, men or worse, but they were talking about reading, and they'd been asked had they read this, read this particular book, and maybe one of them said, oh, yeah, yes, I read that book. And, and, and you read this particular book. And another woman said, oh, yes, I read that particular book. And then for some reason, the interviewer said, how many of you have read Shades of Grey? Oh, yes, I have. Yes, I have. Every single one. And I've never read Shades of Grey, by the way. But I believe it's not a very good book to read. What book are you reading? Church, let us make a commitment today and pray that this church and other churches throughout the world We'll make a stand for the Word of God. We'll get back to hunger for the Word of God, no matter what the cost may be. Now, I know I'm not going to talk about the good old days, but I remember when I first came along, you couldn't get a seat in the Bible studies. 
crowded with people with notebooks and their pens out taking notes. And Pastor Connolly, Pastor McCulloch, Pastor McComish, all the, the men of God that we had, Brother Taylor used to come down and do studies. They were packed. Because there was a hunger back then. And I believe we need that hunger today. That wonderful Psalm 1, which I quote often, it says, we talked about blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly and stand away as sinners. Now it's on the verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. You see, the Latter-day Church is a church where the word of God is not compromised. Where they delight in God's word and God's teaching. And it doesn't matter, <clears throat> excuse me, it doesn't matter if they're being encouraged or they're being rebuked. They want to hear from God. As I've said, his word is bread for the soul. They constantly read and apply the word of the Lord to their lives. For me, one of the most important biblical topics for mankind is one that has been watered down, and that's the gospel. Listen for yourselves, research for yourselves. Don't take my word for it. It's so easy to find out there. You see, today I believe the gospel is being corrupted. There are people, as I've said, who believe they are saved by works. There are people who believe that their priest or their senior priest has the authority to grant them permission to get into heaven or to get down to hell. They believe that. There are those who are following false religions and they're following them into a lost eternity. And you know, the New Testament apostles, down through time, the reformers and the missionaries that have gone forth throughout the world, they went because they had a desire for the lost and a desire to serve God. And they preached God's word. And they spoke out against these things. And they were persecuted for it. They were persecuted for it. And yet we're told, don't be saying anything. You know, we don't want to offend these people. I remember a Catholic guy I worked, worked with, witness to him, just near the kingdom of God, and he got moved, so hopefully the seed that was planted stayed with him. But he told me he was from Oma. And he said that the, the chapel in Oma, they were standing in the street on a Sunday morning, there was that many went to it. And he said that his grandmother had died, and he had a brother large family. He had a brother worked in England and couldn't get home for the funeral. And his grandfather had died. Yes, his grandfather had died. And he had a brother couldn't get home for the funeral. And so about a day after the funeral, his brother got home but didn't tell anyone. And he went straight to see his grandmother. And made a cup of tea. They sat down, had a hug and a cry together. And he got up to either clean the dishes or make her another cup of tea. And the local priest came in and sat down beside his grandmother. He didn't know he was in the kitchen. And the priest said to her, I was speaking to Seamus or whatever his name is, and if you've any more money, I think we can get him out of purgatory. Well, the guy I know, his brother, went in, grabbed the priest by the back of the neck and threw him out in the street. And he says, next time you're talking to him, tell him to climb over the wall. And that's not a reflection on the whole Catholic Church. That's a reflection on this particular priest. 
but they're individuals telling people this. And we're not allowed to speak out against them. There's individuals within the Christian church doing wrong things too, don't get me wrong. But we've got to show people the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ because the gospel is important. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Did you see that phrase? According to the Scriptures. According to the, he's quoting the Word of God for them back then. This gospel, the simple answer to what is a gospel, is a gospel is a person the life, the dying, arising again of the Lord Jesus Christ. He himself is God's good news from heaven. The gospel is about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about men. Well, it's about fallen man, but it's about Jesus. And you know, folks, you can go from Genesis chapter 1 to the last verse in Revelation. Everything is about Jesus. It's either directly, it's either prophecy, it's either types and shadows, and it's fascinating, the Word of God. I just finished a great book on types and shadows of Jesus in the Old Testament, and it's wonderful from the very candles in the tent in the wilderness to things like the pouring of oil and the anointing of oil on Aaron's head, coming down onto the breastplate where the stones were set. The Bible is about the Lord Jesus Christ. No man could have wrote that book. It's a way above the wisdom of man. Because you can study it for 100 years and you'll never cover it all. It's all about Jesus. And this reveals God's purpose for the recovery of sinful people from the deplorable state into which they've fallen. And the gospel is about the righteous judge who's come to save us. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Other religions... Their deity wants to destroy others, but Jesus comes to save. Matthew 1, 21, she, she shall bring forth a son that shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He shall save. Not they shall save themselves. He shall save his people from their sins. You see, the, God, the, the, the Bible shows how God came to earth in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. How he was God manifest in flesh. That great chapter again in the book of Timothy. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. For God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the word, and received up into glory. Church, who was received up into glory? Come on, you can see it in the book of Acts. It was Jesus. And that's telling me he was God manifest in flesh. Christ himself should be the sole object of our faith for he is our salvation and he is what we need to be saved. We can't depend on any other thing to save us. You know, our gospel is much more than some tell us an innocent man dying for the guilty. 
It's about God himself dying on the cross for your sins and for mine. And as we meditate on the finished work, we recall that the man of the gospel was none other than the God-man himself, Jesus. God revealing himself to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of what he's done, we can be free from our sins today. All mankind, not just those who come to the churches of God, not just those who belong to a particular denomination, but those who turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, repent from their sins, and believe on his name. He was slaughtered, and we were set free. And he was raised from the dead in power and majesty, and we were raised with him to newness of life. Church, we need to get a hunger for God's word, to learn God's word, to devour God's word, and to share God's word. You know, I was told once that uh, doctrine is divisive. No, it's not. It used to be very divisive. But there's things that we believe as churches of God. And some people don't believe them. That doesn't mean that we're saved and they're not. But it means that we'll continue teaching the great things that God has revealed to us. And if someone disagrees with us on, on the oneness, they're more than welcome in this church. Because they're a Trinitarian doesn't mean they're saved and I'm not or the other way around. Doctrine is only divisive when men make it divisive. But I believe in the wonderful truths God has shown us. And I'm going to continue to teach him as long as the Lord allows me to teach in his house. And the main thing we're going to teach is that there is one way to be saved and his name is Jesus. That's the Bible. That's not me. And I just thank the Lord for that. Let's stand in his presence as the musicians come back.